It is good to be with you again tonight, and I'm glad that we have this opportunity to worship together. A great deal of our life, it seems, is dedicated to the pursuit of balance. We're constantly trying to find the balance between work and home. We're looking for balance in how we spend our time. We're looking for balance in how we budget and how we spend our money. We're constantly looking to balance the things that we do in this life. And as we think about balance, of course, we're talking about what is the equality between two points or extremes, and that implies by necessity that there is some standard, some rule of measurement, if you will, that will help us to distinguish one extreme from the other. And that, of course, is the Word of God. And if we'll follow the principles of God's Word, then God's Word will help us in our pursuit of finding balance, finding the appropriate balance in the various parts and aspects of our life. Now we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 today, and this morning we looked at the first part of this verse. Paul tells Timothy, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, he says, continue in them, For in doing this, you will both save yourself and those that hear you. Take heed has the idea of being watchful. And so he is to be watchful of himself. And this morning we talked about some ways in which we can be watchful of ourselves. That would include, first of all, not thinking too highly of ourselves. We have to find the balance. We cannot be prideful, but we also can't think anything of ourselves either. God doesn't want us to have a constantly low self-esteem, but rather there is this humble confidence. Second, we can be watchful by not allowing ourselves to be deceived, by being uh, doers of the word and not hearers only, as an example in James chapter 1, by making sure that our tongue does not negate the rest of our religious activity, if you will. Number three, save yourself. We keep a watch on ourselves by making sure that we ourselves are saved. We've got to find the balance between uh, making sure that we teach others the gospel and trying to help the souls of our children and our friends and even our brothers and sisters in Christ We must do that, but we must not do that to the neglect of our own spiritual well-being. Then there is the uh, principle of denying self, as well as disciplining or controlling self. The idea of making God's priorities our priorities, but remembering that that does not mean that we have to be monks or that we have to pursue aestheticism. There is being self-disciplined with the blessings that God gives us, But that doesn't mean that God does not allow us to enjoy the blessings that he gives us. And then there is finally keeping ourselves away from the world, James 1 and verse 27, and yet recognizing 1 Corinthians 5 and verse number 10 that it is impossible for us to simply just check out and exit this world altogether. But tonight we turn our attention to the second part of this passage where Paul talks about not yourself, but about the doctrine. He says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will both save yourself and those who hear you. What is doctrine, first of all? Doctrine is a word that simply has to do with teaching. And so he's just talking about the Word of God. 
He's talking about the gospel, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, if you will. And he says you're to be watchful of the doctrine. How can we do that? And how can we make application to our lives as it pertains to balance? Let me suggest a few things for your consideration like we did this morning. First of all, when we're talking about uh, taking heed to the doctrine, we first need to be thinking about the importance of keeping the doctrine pure. Keeping it pure. I want you to notice with me Titus chapter 2 verses 7 and 8 for a moment and listen to what Paul says to this preacher, Titus 2 verse 7. He says, in all things you are to show yourself to be a pattern of good works. And notice this, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is uh, an an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about you. Now notice in the middle of verse number 7, at least in the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul uses the word uses the word integrity in doctrine showing integrity integrity is good it's the idea of purity or honesty and this reveals itself in a few different ways number one there is purity of motive there is purity of motive the bible tells us that we as children of god are to go out into all the world and teach the gospel. Matthew 28, 18, Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, the things that you have heard of me, the, the same you commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's not a single person, a single member of the body of Christ who does not have the responsibility to teach God's word in some way. But the question now before us is, Why do we teach the Word of God? We're talking about keeping doctrine pure, and that speaks to purity of motive. In 2 Corinthians 2, in verse number 17, Paul said, For we are not as so many peddling the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. A couple of chapters later, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse number 2, verse 1 and 2, He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Think about those two passages and what they say about the heart of the Apostle Paul and about his motives in preaching and teaching the gospel to whomever he may preach and teach. Is it pure? Absolutely. Paul says, we are not like those who are dishonest and insincere. 2 Corinthians 2 verse number 17. And we are not like those who are trying to hide something or trying to trick people into listening to our message and following us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What was Paul's desire? His desire was to bring others to Christ Jesus. That was the motive for teaching and preaching the Word of God. I would direct your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and following, where Paul will tell Timothy that the servant of the Lord cannot strive, must not strive, 
but rather he must be patient and that he must be gentle and that he must be compassionate as he helps to, uh, as he seeks to help others, and I'm paraphrasing here, untangle or unwind the knot that they've been tied into because, uh, by the devil and by the, that which is false. What's your motive? Keeping the doctrine pure has to do with a pure motive. Yes, we have the responsibility to teach, but we're not teaching for a dishonest or an inappropriate reason. We shouldn't be teaching to try and get people to follow or listen to us. We shouldn't be teaching and preaching so that we can get some sort of recognition for how many converts we may bring to Christ. We shouldn't be teaching and preaching for any kind of false or faulty reasoning or motive other than the desire out of love for the Lord and love for souls to bring folks to Christ Jesus. So purity of motive. But here's another, purity of content. In Titus 2 verse 7 and 8 when he talks about in doctrine showing integrity or in doctrine showing purity, it includes preaching the right thing for the right reason, but it also includes preaching just the right thing, purity of, purity of content. You remember the command of Revelation 22 or the exhortation of Revelation 22, verse 17 and 18. Whoever adds to the things that are written in this book, whoever takes away from the things that are written in this book, the plagues are going to be added to him and his name will be taken away from the book of life. How serious is God about us making sure that we teach his word in exactly the form in which he has communicated it. How serious is God when it comes to speaking as the Bible speaks and, being, and uh, doing Bible things in Bible ways and calling Bible things by Bible names, as the restoration leaders would often say. How serious is God when he says, when you speak, you speak with a thus saith the Lord. Do you remember what Jesus said about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15, verses 6 to 9? As they're having a conflict with Jesus because Jesus' disciples don't wash their hands before they eat their dinner, and so therefore they are now ceremonially defiled, at least in the eyes of the Pharisees, which really just means they have violated the tradition. They violated Jewish tradition, not God's law. Jesus says in Matthew 15, verse 6 to 9, you teach for doctrine the traditions and the commandments of men. Paul warns about those who would bring about doctrine that is unsound and unfitting in 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 3. The word of God is described as pure and sincere in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2. So when we talk about keeping the doctrine pure, we're not just talking about preaching for the right reason. We're talking about preaching and teaching the right thing for the right reason. How do we take heed to the doctrine? We see to its purity. We teach the right thing and we teach it for the right reason. Here's a second thing for your consideration. Taking heed to the doctrine would mean obeying the doctrine. It would mean doing exactly what it is that the Lord says. Romans chapter 16 and verse number 17, the Apostle Paul said, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and he says, avoid them. 
What he's talking about in that passage are those who are simply not willing to obey what the Word of God teaches. Now we recognize that there are a number of passages that emphasize to us the importance of obeying God. Like John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Or Matthew 7 and verse number 21, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. Or Luke 6 and verse number 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? The importance of obedience is highlighted even greater when we recognize what it is that we're obeying. James 1 and verse number 21, the, uh, the Bible describes itself as that which gives life. Romans 1 and verse 16, the gospel is described as the power of God, that, uh, the power of God unto salvation. You see, the reason why it's important to emphasize obedience is because it is possible to say the right thing and do the wrong thing. We're looking for balance here. There is balance between teaching and preaching what is right and yet not making application of what is right to ourselves. It is not enough just to teach and preach the right thing. It's not enough to believe the right thing. We have to, we have to believe and teach and preach the right thing, but we ourselves also have to practice it. Matthew chapter 23, verses one, uh, verse 1 and following as Jesus talked to the people about how they ought to view the Pharisees, he made a uh, condemning statement of them. Here's what he said. He said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit at Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, because they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad, and they enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at the feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplace, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. You listen to what they say, he says, but do not do as they do. Why? Because they said the right thing, but they didn't do it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 and following. Recall in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not do your actions of righteousness to be seen of men for the praise of men, because if you do, then you have your reward. And then he uses these same individuals as an example in three ways. He talks about their praying, he talks about their tithing, he talks about their fasting, and he, there's nothing wrong under the, uh, there wasn't anything wrong uh, with tithing and with praying and with fasting. The problem with the Pharisees was not so much their action, the problem was their motive, was their thinking, their reasoning behind it. It's possible to say the right thing, it's even possible, it's possible to do the right thing, but do it for the wrong reason. It's possible to say the right thing, and it's possible to do the wrong thing. We see both of them in the Pharisees, Matthew 23 and Matthew chapter 6. But the truth of the matter is that it does no good, not, uh, it does no good to preach and not practice. Romans chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the Jews in their sins and he had a lot to say about their unrighteous judgment, their condemnation of the Gentiles, especially at the beginning of the chapter. 
But now listen to what he says in verse 21. He says, You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through the breaking of the law? For the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. It does no good to preach and teach and not practice. And that was a problem with the Jews. That's why Paul calls them out on it in Romans chapter 2. What about you? What about me? We teach our friends, we teach our children, we teach uh, the, stu- the uh, uh, children in Bible class. We teach and we teach and we teach to all kinds of different audiences and in all kinds of different ways. But the question before us at this time is, are we, are we willing to apply the things that we teach? Remember this morning we talked about the importance of saving ourselves. We talked about the importance of not spending so much time and dedicating so much energy and effort to helping other people to find the truth that we neglect our own spiritual growth, that we neglect applying God's word to our own life. That's the same principle here. It's unbalanced not to uh, practice what we preach. And it's the opposite, or will result rather, in the opposite of what we find in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 15. In that passage, the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy to dedicate himself to reading and studying and applying of the Word of God. And he says, if you'll do that, then your progress will be evident to all. In other words, people are going to be able to see just in observing you on a daily basis that you're growing spiritually. What's the opposite of that? If I'm not making application to myself, people are are not seeing progress. Rather, people are seeing what? They're seeing a digression. They're seeing a problem. They're seeing something that just doesn't add up. He says one thing, but he does something completely and totally different. It's unbalanced and it's hypocritical, and we have to be careful to avoid it. Taking heed to the doctrine means that we have to keep it pure. Purity of motive, purity of content. It also means that we have to obey it. We have to be willing to study it and learn it. That's true. We have to be willing to teach it and preach it. That's also true. But we equally have to be willing to apply it to obey it, to do what it says. Adding to that, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 John verse 9 and 10. Taking heed to the doctrine means abiding within it, to abide in it. John said in 2 John 9 and 10, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Go back to 1 John chapter 2 and look at what John said in 1 John 2 and verse 24. He says, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son And in the Father, what was it that they heard in the beginning? 1 John 2, verse number 24. It was the gospel. And he says, if you'll let the gospel abide, the doctrine, if you will, abide in you. And abiding means to settle down and make yourself at home. If the doctrine of Jesus Christ finds itself at home in you, he says, if you let it abide in you, and uh, if you, can, you will then abide in the Son and in the Father, he says. It's about abiding and continuing and remaining 
Colossians 3 and verse 16, Ephesians 3 and verse number 17, two passages that talk about the word of Christ abiding and dwelling within us. We ought to be interested not just in teaching, not just in purity of doctrine, not just in obedience, but we ought to be interested in the word of God finding itself at home within us. Taking heed to the doctrine means abiding in it. And finally, taking heed to the doctrine means putting forth the time and the energy and the focus into studying and meditating and learning. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 15, as you recall, that we are to study or give diligence to show ourselves approved unto God. He talks about rightly dividing or handling aright the word of truth. There's an important passage in any discussion about balance. Cutting straight is the idea. Being able to properly examine, being able to properly pull out the meaning and properly apply. That's the idea of handling appropriately, handling aright or cutting straight the word of God. The psalmist described a man who was blessed in Psalm 1 as the one who meditates in God's word day and night. He says he'll be like a tree that's planted by the river of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, the psalmist says, he will prosper. There are great blessings that come from filling our hearts and filling our minds with the word of God, but it doesn't happen by accident. Studying God's Word takes time, and it takes attention, and it takes dedication. It takes some effort. And the only way that I'll be able to be balanced as it pertains to the doctrine is if I'm willing to dedicate the time and the energy and the effort that's required into handling it, learning it, and dealing with it in a correct way. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. There is no way that we could ever exhaust, I think, the concept or the importance of being balanced. It is something that it is something that is literally comprehensive in our life. Whether we're talking about our time, whether we're talking about our effort or our energy, whether we're talking about the application of God's word, it really doesn't matter. There really isn't an area of life where balance is not applicable. So we've got to work, we've got to strive, we've got to prayerfully and with prayerfully and faithfully follow the standard, the pattern that God's Word gives us. Because this Word, if we allow it to serve as our compass, then it will, it will, it will bring us to where we need to be. Blessed are the balanced. And my prayer and hope and aim for these studies today is that they'll help each one of us to find the proper balance in our lives so that we can live a well and properly balanced life in the service of our King. Lord's invitation is now extended this evening, and perhaps there's someone here who stands subject to it. Maybe this evening you've not yet become a Christian. Are you ready to take that step? Are you ready to become a child of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins? If you're ready and willing, then we're, be, we're, we're glad to assist you in doing that. Maybe tonight, though, you are a Christian and you're, you're still thinking about balance in your life and you're thinking, you know, I'm really out of balance in some ways and I need to make that right. Can we pray for you and encourage you? Can we help you in some way? If you stand in need, then we invite you to come and let it be known while we stand and sing the invitation song together.